0: Hey everyone, Becky from the SHIFT team here and we're back with a new mini episode to help everyone with some quick listens to get great ideas and tools for gymnastics.
1: How to master mental blocks. In this week's mini podcast episode is all about advice for gymnasts, coaches and parents on overcoming fears, mental blocks and competition preparation. Coming from not one, but three gymnastics experts, Ascend Gymnastics team coaches, Sarah Korngold, Kale Robinson, and licensed mental health and national certified counselor, Rebecca Grady. The clinic that I work at is full of like a lot of pro baseball players and uh, a lot of pro golfers, stuff like that. So we have these conversations about, you know, ESPNs on, and of course, Simone right now is just ripping, you know, the world apart on fire with how well she's doing. But they were saying like, you know, is Simone the greatest athlete of all time? And I was arguing like, because of the fear aspect of the sport, like, I don't want to discredit anybody. Soccer is very hard. It's very scary sometimes. Baseball is very scary sometimes with the pressure. But like the risk of physical harm is so high in gymnastics that I think that mm-hmm. makes, I think that makes some athletes, especially like combat wrestling or MMA and gymnastics, like much more on the. I put more weight in the Simone's of the world and like the those type of people because the fear is so real and it's it's weird in gymnastics that we expose nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds to seriously high levels of fear. And I think it, it's mm-hmm. because I wanted to get you on the show because like, it's so hard to deal with young athletes who just don't understand what's happening. They don't know how to phrase these things. They don't know how to talk to people about the fear. It's, it's very real for these young athletes.
0: Oh yeah. And the coaches, you know, have such a major role in their lives because they're like seen as coaches, like someone they really look up to. Mm-hmm. And if it's not a safe, trusting environment for them, they are never going to say anything. So we need, you know, we need to have that space for them that they feel safe enough to come up to us and share, you know, their concerns. Talk about like, because a lot of kids don't understand what emotions really are. Sure. You know, their emotional vocabulary is not very developed. So sometimes they need that time to um, explore what's going on in their minds, explore what they're feeling, like play with you back and forth on words, like trying to figure out exactly what it is because they don't know what it is. Right. But if you don't give them that opportunity to kind of explore those words and try to figure out what's going on with them then you know they aren't going to ever figure it out one and Mm -hmm. then they're not going to have um they're not going to have that strength that courage that confidence to continue on and to do harder skills
1: right yeah I remember definitely being a young gymnast and you know kind of especially like in like the puberty area of like 12 to 13 is like just not really knowing how to, like you said, label some things that were going on. And it was kind of like the tough guy environment, right? So like, I never really knew how to explain, like, I'm terrified, or, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm insecure about this, or I don't know mm-hmm. how to handle this pressure, especially to meet and stuff. And luckily, I had a great coach who was able to kind of just like talk it out and go back and forth. But I see that in a lot of young gyms, especially in the clinic on the medical side, but also coaching is like... They just don't have, like you said, the vocabulary to express, you know, what am I Mm -hmm. feeling? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I don't know how to like say it in a way that makes me feel. So I'm actually expressing what I, what I have going on inside me. So, I mean, you're, you're working now as a a clinical mental health counselor with a lot of gymnasts. Is that something you see also too? Is there just like, you have to like pry it out of them (laughs) to like get them feeling what's going on there?
0: Yeah, so a lot of what I do, especially at the beginning is trying to give them those words, we talk about those words, what they mean. Mm. And you know, what situations could you experience these types of feelings like jealousy, embarrassment, anger, anxiety, fear. So like, all those words, um, if I give them examples, me like, what do you think this child is feeling in this, you know, this scenario, like, is that anxiety for them and then they're like oh that is anxiety and that's something you know i've experienced so yeah we discuss the words what they mean what we can put them in what kind of situations and then how we can use those you know to describe ourselves later on
1: yeah. And do you find that there's a link between some of the things I think coaches and parents see on the surface level that are really hard to deal with, right? So like mental blocks or like the, I, I always think of them like as irrational fears because it's different for me as a coach or someone who works with athletes like, oh, if you had an injury or you fell on this skill, it's a rational fear. I get why you're nervous. You've experienced mm-hmm. it. But I think oftentimes we just see these random mental blocks come up. Like there's no accident. There's nothing that was wrong, but they just like, I don't want to go backwards or like, I don't want to do a flyaway. And I think we see on the surface level, like mental blocks or frustrations or things that are, are challenging mentally are probably a result of some things deeper that they just don't know how to mm-hmm. express how they feel, or like you said, maybe the environment is a little bit hard for them to kind of express those things in a safe way. Is that is it my wrong in that, or is that actually something you see?
0: No, that's exactly what I see. Yeah, um, I feel like a, one of the major emotions that kids experience is embarrassment, and that that's one that they never want to talk about. You know, like they're not going to tell their coach that they feel embarrassed or that they don't want to be made fun of by their teammates or have their teammates whispering about them. Cause you know, little kids or um, even teenagers were very self-centered and not in a bad way, you know, like the world just kind of revolves around them. Yeah. And when they see other people talking, they think it's about them. Sure. So a lot of things are internalized and those, you know, that emotion alone causes so many issues when it comes to mental blocks, when it comes to anxiety and fear that I've seen working with a gymnast.
1: Yeah. And I'm really happy we're starting with that because I personally think that is one of the hardest things to deal with as a coach, but also it's one of the uh, most common things i think everybody deals with i think a lot of kids especially 10 11 12 13 14 they really just want to fit in they want to they are mm-hmm. trying to figure out who they are they're trying to figure out their social setting who their friends are and, and a lot of times gymnastics and their skills and being you know able to do skills unfortunately in their mind is a proxy of i fit in and people like mm-hmm. me like that when we know that's not the healthiest way to maybe go about it but at that time in their mind between I mean, the exposure to social media, the exposure to you know meets and scores and competition—they're trying to figure out what they what they have to kind of like be as, as a place in this environment, and so. I would say that a lot of times I see you know that embarrassment comes up when they can't do a skill or maybe they get an injury or something happens and they feel as though their world kind of falls apart because they can't be with their friends they can't be you know here they're worried about what their coach is saying about them like you said they're worried about people talking behind their back and sometimes unfortunately it's true with just like Mm -hmm. brutal teenager life but a lot of times it's really not that true like you're not actually being gossiped about and stuff but they perceive that as oh my god everyone's talking about me or like oh my god this is so embarrassing and stuff like that so from your experiences working with with uh gymnasts who kind maybe have that problems. I guess what are the situations that you hear about that are pretty common scenarios like uh, that are that are coming up with people that have worries for it.
0: Oh yeah. So, um one that you know like I've kind of recently been working with is like the if you get scared on an event, you know a lot of little kids want to cry and they're like, but I can't cry because if I cry other people are going to make fun of me because I'm crying. And they're like, why are they crying? This is ridiculous. Yeah. So, um they with the embarrassment, you know, they're just they're kind of trying to change where they're going with their skills. Cause they're like, I'm not going to do a skill that's going to scare me because I don't want to cry in front of my teammates. I don't want them talking about me. And then, you know, the whole going up to your coach and telling them that you're nervous. I always ask my gymnast, I'm like, why don't you just tell your coach you're nervous? And so they know that they might need to spot you a little bit more this first time, or, you know, uh, the next few times that you run through a skill and, and they always tell me and they're like, I can't go up and tell them I'm nervous. What if someone hears me? You know, um, what if they make fun of me? What if they say something like, oh, get over it, just go back in line and do it. Um, So a lot of times it's just, you know, it's a perception of what people think, but it's really what people are doing too that makes them feel like they can't do their skills or, you know, they don't feel um, respected or they don't feel included within the gym
1: totally and I, i'm really happy this is by far and away, i think one of the biggest problems culturally we still have as a, as a sport is the the like you said the fear of talking to coaches or parents about something going on whether it's a mental block whether it's the start of pain whether it's you know just being you know overall overwhelmed or something like that and i think i want to first start on the not commonly talked about situation which is great coaches doing everything right they have a great gym mm-hmm. great education and so there's so many great coaches out there that are amazing but unfortunately the gymnast still for some reason does not feel I can talk about like I can't tell you how many people I have in the um, clinic for injuries, and I'm like, when did your back start hurting? They were like, oh, two months ago. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell your coach? They're like, oh, I can't do that. I can't tell my coach. They're going to think I'm a wuss. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to like, you know, yell at me or something like that. I'm like, I don't think so. Like, I know your coach, and I'm pretty sure I've never seen him or her yell at someone for their back being sore. So I guess mm-hmm. from the first perspective of like the, the gym is, is great, the culture is great, the coaches are great, but the kids are just not speaking up. I know a lot of coaches who are frustrated with that. What are the either the tools or strategies that maybe like the coaches can do to foster more communication about, hey, it's okay mm-hmm. to tell me if your back hurts. It's okay to tell me if you're scared. We can work on this because I think a lot of coaches are stuck in that situation. It's very frustrating.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And you know, one of the first things that I think is important is our nonverbal communication because we talk about communication so much. We're like, "Oh, we need to communicate." But a lot of times we don't talk about exactly how we're supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the important things is nonverbal communication and what we're putting off. So, um what is our body language? You know, when we're um when we're in the gym, what are our mannerisms? Like what are our facial expressions? Like all that stuff's so important for making us approachable when you know, our athletes want to come and tell us something. If if we are standing in the corner of our gym and our arms are crossed and we're kind of have this like furrowed brow kind of thing going on. um, That's not very approachable. Right. Especially for a little kid. Like we are like, Oh, well, that's just my normal facial expression. But when it comes to children, that can be scary. And they're like, Oh gosh, um, my coach is in a bad mood. I can't go talk to him now. That's scary. So um, just kind of reassessing how you are in the gym. Do you put yourself in a position where you you know your athletes can approach you do you have like are you inviting to them and when you're listening to them are you actually listening to them or are you watching other athletes on other events so like if you are watching someone it's good to just tell them be like hey i need to watch you know um this other girl finish this beam routine yeah. and then i'll talk to you just give me one second and then if it's a child you want to get down on their level and i think that's a really big important thing because you know if you're standing up it kind of makes them feel like there's this hierarchy and Mm -hmm. they're not as likely to share information with you. So if you get down on their level and you look them in the eye and you actually pay attention to them when they're speaking to you, I think that makes a big difference Mm -hmm. because we're showing that we're available and we're there for them.
1: Yeah, that's very important. I couldn't agree more. I think I can definitely think back to some facepalm moments when My either like, you know, frustration or something else had nothing to do with the gym, right? It had nothing to do Mm -hmm. with what I was working with. I just like came from my other job and I had a rough day and I had paperwork and traffic. And I was just like, oh man, this is like, I'm just running around. And my vibe was definitely not, Dave's probably, you could probably talk to Dave, you know, it's probably (laughs) not like that. So I think that's important (laughs) coaches and parents too. Like I'm, I'm not a parent. I don't, you know, have wife or kids, but I'm empathetic to parents because man, you got a little kid who's like, you know, a, another younger brother who's running around and you're trying to get to the gym and you're trying this. and you know, maybe the, the young girl is trying to say something to her mom or dad before they go to the gym that they really want to get expressed. Like, you know, my back hurts or I'm nervous about this or something went on and they're just so busy running around that they don't really have that time to, to be approachable. So I, I do think that's very important to start with the nonverbal stuff. And the other piece of advice I can give is I think, unfortunately, the the uh, current culture is very reactive in dealing with these problems. So mm-hmm. like, When someone's back hurts, then we deal with it. When there's an issue with a mental block and we see it, then we deal with it. But I think if you can proactively kind of attack those things from uh, the other side and say like, you know, openly say like, hey, is anyone anyone struggling something now? Like their knees hurt or something like that? Anyone struggling on something they're worried about? If so, you know, we can talk about it at a different time. But I think if you proactively say it's okay to talk about those things and give people strategies or tools mm-hmm. and experiences from people like yourself or others that like hey I was reading this blog and we talked about mental blocks let's talk about mental blocks for a couple of seconds like and maybe no you're not singling anybody out but that gives them like a like a psychological safety in the group to be like oh they they care about this they want to hear about this they value this in our gym so maybe I'm more open to talk to them about it.
0: Right yeah I completely agree and I think you know incorporating those things into your practice so it's like on Tuesdays and Thursdays you know we have a short discussion before practice it's kind of like um you know preventing mental blocks and stuff like you know, we always talk about um, deep breathing, like I always think that incorporating those things into your practice are very important. So we're not teaching them just like, hey, do this in the moment when you need it, but we're going to make this a part of our gym culture now. So yeah, and I think adding mental health stuff to your gym culture is very important. And I know like coaches have so much to do. So it's like, we're, you know, we're like telling them that they need to be college recruiters they have to be coaches they have to be physical therapists they have to be mental health you know practitioners so like I understand it's like they're getting so much put on their plate but if we just change like a little bit like you don't have to do therapy with your gymnast but if we incorporate just a little bit in changing how we interact with them and we make ourselves more approachable and welcoming it can change the environment in the gym I think you know substantially
1: We, uh, we tapped on something very important. I want to go back to, which is the concept around, you know, fear and mental block and stuff like that. And I think I'd really love to hear your experiences working through kids that struggle, especially at the younger levels. Like I think flyaways are a big one. I think the first Mm -hmm. series. I think, you know, the first release, I think sometimes those technical skills are very challenging for young athletes to do. So I'd love to maybe just hear your anecdotal advice on what you try to do to help out with that. And then maybe some reasons that you feel like people fall into those ruts of just constantly struggling.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I mean, fear is tricky. Um,
2: I think it's also tricky because every kid's, I, I mean, it's tricky to begin with because you, so often you get these kids that like you know they can do it, mm. but for whatever reason they don't think they can or they have a fear of doing it, you know. But add on to that, the fact that like pretty much every time it's completely different. Like this, right. you know, this kid is scared of a flyaway because one time, three years ago, they saw a girl hit her feet on the bar and fall fall down and break her arm or something like that. But the next kid, it's just like, I just feel weird. So it's it's a case by case basis. So that makes it super challenging to deal with fear. Um, I think for me, what helps me the most is like sticking to the standards that I said before, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, if a kid is truly petrified of a skill that they're expected to have, um, and it's a it's a struggle to get them to do it um, on a daily basis. Um, I think just sticking to that standard and placing them at a level that is appropriate for not just where they are physically or where you think they could be physically, but where they are mentally, like you have to, you have to acknowledge that piece of it. And, you know, I found myself in a couple of times where I've let that standard slide because, um, I really think the kid can do it and I know they can do it physically, but I, what, what I end up doing in those situations is I put them in positions where, they're gonna have more fear every day. By moving them up a level is what I'm saying. They're gonna have more fear every day because they have to do whatever it is uh, they have to do on a daily basis now, not just like train it when you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you add on pressure of that, of like having to compete that and like the expectation that comes with like wanting to do well at a meet. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, it just hasn't worked. So I think for me, the best, the best tool I have for helping a kid work through fear is putting them at a level that's appropriate for where they are physically and mentally, and that they can handle the assignments on a daily basis so that they walk out of the gym every day feeling accomplished with their head held high. And like they were able to tackle what you gave them. I think that fear is only perpetuated when you place a kid that you want to be a higher level, but in reality, like getting through just the assignment every day is a struggle, and there's anxiety around getting to the event and reading what the assignment is to see how many times they're gonna have to face their fear that day. And it just, it only gets exacerbated. And so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, like it has to come from the kid, um, as much as we as coaches want it and wanna push them to do it because, you know, We think they can, Um, but it has to come from them. And ultimately, fear is real, and like kids have to have coping mechanisms to deal with fear. Mm -hmm. But there has to be desire, and if the kid just like doesn't have a desire to do the skill, or like it, it's you're really just up against like a hard battle. You know, I think that when kids have fear, but there's still desire, I think that it's worth pushing through and helping them through it. Um, if kids don't have desire, like you just have to have honest and real conversations about like, well, why why, are you, why are you here then? Why, mm-hmm. why do you want to do this on a daily basis? Is it just to do one event at this high level? Is it because there's an outside reason that's making you be here? Or like you just, you have to have hard conversations if you're just really up against a wall.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well said. I don't said. know.
2: That's, I, like, <laughs> there's no like quick solution to fear. It's real. I understand it. Um, I was telling, maybe I said it even when we came on air, but like, as a 22 year old athlete, you know, flipping and twisting was my jam. I loved it. And I thought, oh, I can switch over to diving, you know? And then at 22, I'm standing up on like 30 feet in the air on a 10 foot platform. And I've never been more scared in my life. And then after like really eating it on one dive, I was like, I'm done, Like, I get it. Fear is real, you know? So. And at that point I was like, I don't have the desire to stand back up there and do this. It's not worth it to me. It's not worth me feeling like this on a daily basis. And um, yeah, so that's real. And I, I just, I also think like, I don't know, it, it it creates tough scenarios because I might have a kid that wants to be a level nine, but. If you want to be a level nine, you there's still action that has to be done. And like it doesn't mean that I don't believe you that you're not scared of your overshoot. And it doesn't mean that I don't care that you're scared about your overshoot. I do and I want to find a way to help you through it. But you can't be terrified of this skill that's a requirement of a level mm-hmm. and not want to do it yet, but also want to be that level. Like there has to be a balance with the athlete too. And they have to. They have to be willing to understand that, accept that, and just try to keep going in a productive way.
1: Yeah. I'm, I couldn't be more happy with the way you frame that because people want an instant fix for all these things that are so gray and so complicated. Mm-hmm. Right? And like, yes, you can have a conversation about, well, it's a technical thing. Do you understand the technical thing? Like, is it a, is it a irrational mental thing? Right. Or is it like a social pressure thing? You can have those discussions, but you're never going to do it for, you can't force anyone to do anything, right? You can't make it sure. do it. And Sometimes when it does come down to it, it's like, do you, it has to be an internal drive for them to really love it and want to do it and value it enough that they're willing to kind of work through the steps to get over their fear or practice their fear or go back to drills. And it's a hard balance too, too, because you have to be in control of
2: how the kids handling themselves emotionally on the floor. Like Mm -hmm. even I can have a kid tell me, I really want to do my back handspring layout on beam, but if the process to getting there is them standing on the beam for 5 minutes crying before they go i i, I you can tell me you want to do it all day long but it's not a healthy environment yeah. to allow that either like yeah. it's it's at some point as coach you have to step in and you know the kid might be mad at you because they were ready to face their fear or they say they are or it's just it's a hard it's a hard balance with fear yeah. because it's so emotional it's yeah. it, a lot of times there's not a rhyme or a reason and you give, you know, you just have to help them through it. And you, you have, as a coach have to be the bad guy a lot of times when you're dealing with fear, I think. And like, it, it stinks because you know, that October 1st date rolls around and you're like, I know she can do it. And I'm gonna have to have a hard conversation cause she wants to do it, but she's not doing it. And so yeah. she can't be that level. And yeah, that's where I think objective measures and transparent communication are pivotal. Absolutely. And and you can't you can't let it get to October first and it be a surprise for <laughs> no. the parents either. It's got to be uh, communicated well in advance of that day so that kids do have the opportunity to work through it.
1: You know. And and two though that's also so important is that like you you've said before, and I've heard this from Brett, I've heard this from Nick. Everybody else is like, yes, I want it for you. I want you to do it, but I don't think less of you if you don't move to level nine and do your shootover. I don't think ill of you. No, not as a
2: human being. No, absolutely exactly. not. But it's. Yeah, it's just, I think that fear blurs the line of those interpersonal communications because it does, it just feels more personal because it's something they're struggling with. And sure. it's still, you know, it just, it, it's, it's tricky and it's frustrating. And, you know, it's also the fine line of like wanting to keep the culture in your gym mm. good. Like, yeah. I, I, it's hard. Like you you want to give all those kids like as much individual attention as they need to work through those problems. But you also don't want to do it to the point where you're drawing attention to fear so much that other kids start adapting that too. You know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a balance. It's a tricky, it's a tricky situation. And uh, that's not, that's one of the not fun things about being a coach i would say just, is just dealing with fear and how it all just transpires and comes out you
1: know you kind of led my next question. Is I can't think of another event that's more prominent in terms of like people are confident, people are going well until they split the beam, until mm-hmm. so they lift their hands in a back handspring, right? And so like then it like the walls kind of come crashing down and fear becomes a really big issue. So whether we're talking about I don't even know back back walkovers to you know back handsprings to layout step outs to crazy stuff like fools, should someone take a spill, having a big fear come up, what are you doing to help them get over that mental block? Like I couldn't if I had a dime for every time that I had a demon about like daughter has a mental block on beam. What should we do? Like I'd be a millionaire, right? So what are you doing kind of in that situation?
3: Okay. So the first step I would be, I would ask like, okay, did you see your hands? Did you see your hands go on the beam? Nine times out of 10? No. Well, okay. Like obviously you you need to see your hands. And and for a lot of kids, that's enough. Oh yeah. I didn't look like I'm going to look at my hands and and I'm going to go again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe you got a really bad beam burn. So like, yeah, I didn't see my hands, but I'm not going to go again, Sarah. Like good luck. So I would put them back on the line, They're going to be successful put them back on the low beam they're going to be successful um stack the high beam they're going to be successful right just break it back down to where they can be but you have to go where they're going to be successful if every time if i'm like no just do it just do it and she keeps not going i'm only reinforcing to her i can't do this this is hard i'm scared and, and you can't do that, right? So you've got to take her. And if it's all the way back to the floor, it's all the way back to the floor. And yeah. honestly, I had a kid who ate it on a backhand back spring, back and stopped doing backhand springs on the floor. And so we had to take it all the way back to the tumble track. And that's okay. That's okay. And you just reinforce, this is normal. Everyone has fears. It happens to everyone. They already feel bad. They already don't feel good about it. So just reinforcing that everybody goes through something like this and breaking it all the way back down. If it's really, really bad, sometimes just step away from it for a minute. Yeah. Okay, here's the alternative. This is something else we can do. Let's work for this. And I've never not had a kid come back to that thing. Sure. I've never yeah. not had that. Sometimes it's just like, oh, this isn't easier at all. Like this isn't what I thought. And then they yeah. choose that, or just having that break from it and, and moving on um, lets them get back there. So yeah. yeah. You can't you can't bully them into getting over a fear. They're not being fearful on purpose.
1: Hopefully you enjoyed this mini podcast episode. Let us know if it was helpful and if you have any suggestions of what you'd like to learn about next.